Well, today we're going to take a pause from our study in the Gospel of Matthew. We will finish out the Gospel of Matthew next Sunday when we go into Matthew 28, talking about the, basically, the commission of the church, the Great Commission. But being at the 24th of uh, December, we should probably do something Christmassy. And so we're going to spend some time reflecting this morning on the reason why Jesus was born. The reason why Jesus is born. You know, tradition is a very powerful thing. Uh, So much uh, so that we often participate in traditions when we don't know the true meaning behind them. Anybody experienced that before? Um, And yet we still faithfully observe many traditions. Uh, This is especially true uh, with Christmas in our society. If I were to go and just ask 20 random people on the street, not churchy people, just 20 random people on the street, right? They might be Christians, they might not, who knows? Just 20 random people, and I ask them, hey, what's Christmas about? I could possibly get 20 different answers, don't you think? 20 different answers about what Christmas is about. Everything from sentiments regarding uh, Santa Claus, to reindeer, to uh, giving of gifts, to Christmas being a time to be with family, Um, All those types of things. And so a lot of different conclusions about Christmas. If you were to ask those same people how Christmas came about, I'm pretty sure people would have a little more difficulty formulating their answers. If I asked you, how did Christmas come about? I know that's a very open, subjective question. What Christmas are you talking about? Is it Christian Christmas or just Christmas? How did it come about? You'd get a lot of different answers about that tradition that we have, some might say well, something about St. Nicholas. They might know a little bit about St. Nicholas. Um, some might say something about Jesus being born. Someone might know a little bit about Roman history and pagan influence and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, most people in our society celebrate Christmas because that's what you grew up with. Anyone else? Yeah, you just grew up celebrating Christmas. And, and we might not have a grasp of why we do what we do. And so I would say that the super majority of people really don't know why we have a tree in our living room. Why do you have a tree in your living room? We put a tree in your, it's cut it down, we pop it in and we throw a bunch of stuff on it. It's in your living room. Why do we do that? That's a great question, isn't it? Contemplate that. Have fun with that this year. Just go home and go, what is the purpose? But You know, how about, uh, you know, why do we give presents to one another? Why, why is that? Or, or why do you have stockings above the fireplace or put lights on your house? Or why is Christmas on the 25th of December? We just follow tradition, don't we? This is also true when it comes to knowing what we believe about God and the things we do in relationship to our worship of him. I'm a pastor and, you know, it didn't take me very long to be a Christian before I go, why, why are we doing this? Anyone else ever like, what's the significance of this? This is strange. Yeah. And so if we were to ask, you know, you perhaps just let's say this group, why we meet on Sunday mornings. How many of you have a good answer for that? Yeah, several of you do, but the rest of us are like, Cause that's what we do. Christians meet on Sunday mornings or why we gather in a building. Why do we gather in a building? When did that start? Why am I up here and you're down there? 
that's very purposeful. That has tradition associated with it. Why am I standing instead of sitting when I teach? And why are you sit why are you sitting instead of standing when I teach? What's the significance of communion? What's the significance of baptism? And so forth. You know, we could have 20 different answers for each of these things, couldn't we? Now, when it comes to Christmas, believers, especially believers who have been under the teaching of the word of God, which is a blessing, when we're asked about the meaning of our tradition regarding Christmas, we know that it isn't about what the world celebrates. We know that. We know that Christmas for us is a reminder that Jesus Christ, the son of God, became flesh. God entered human existence and became a man, became a human being. I think we can all agree on that point from a Christian perspective on Christmas. That's, that's what we celebrate. Now, many of you are going, but what about the Romans and paganism? Yes, I know. But when we justify what we're doing, we think, <laughs> we, think we go, hey, it's when Jesus was born kind of thing. By the way, he wasn't born on December 25th. But I think we can all agree at that point that it's about Jesus being born as Christians. Can you, can you all say, yeah, that's what I believe as a Christian. Yeah, that's kind of what we, we go back to. But let me ask you a question. Why was Jesus born? 20 questions. There you go. I hear you starting to talk. So I'm going to give you a second and answer that question to yourself. You can write it down or those of you who have awesome minds, you can just think of your answer. Why was Jesus born? Give you 10 seconds. Don't say it out loud to yourself. Think. I'm guessing we're like at eight, nine, 10. Okay, good. All right. Let me ask you another question. How did you come to that conclusion? How did you come to that conclusion? Was that something that was taught to you? Was that something that was caught like tradition? Was that something that you just didn't know? So you, you filled in the blank the best you could about why Jesus was born. Perhaps you were reading the Bible and you, you know why Jesus was born, you know, what are some of your answers? Why was Jesus born? Anybody willing to just say something out loud? I'm not going to make fun of you. Anyone? Yes, Norma. Okay, a amen. Who else? Yes, Ken. Redeem that which was lost. Doug. Awesome. Perfect sacrifice for our sins. Give us a chance. Totally. A lot of different information. Yes, Don. Savior. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Savior of the world. So, so what was this taught to you? Did you read it? Was it a tradition that you came upon? How did you come to know that? And do you believe it? Interesting. Now, did you know that Jesus actually told us in his own words, why he was born? Raise your hand that you know that the verse I'm talking about, that Jesus actually told us why he was born. He said it. One. Okay. Not many of us. So like, I think it's important and I'm not, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying case in point. Right. So now, as you know, 
please turn to actually John 18. We're only going to be in one verse. <clears throat> I know you're scared. <laughs> now, Jesus actually told the reason why he came into the world, why he was born, why he came to Pontius Pilate. This is at his trial. He's about to be crucified. He'd already been um, reprimanded by the Jews and handed over to the Roman authorities. So, cause they had the power to execute. And so they gave Jesus over to Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate was sitting there trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. And so it's at Jesus's trial right before his con conviction in John 18 verse 36. We'll pick up there. The charge that was brought before Pilate, by the way, was that Jesus said he was the king of the Jews. This is what the Pilate, what the Romans said. We know from a couple of weeks ago in Matthew that the Jews were, were upset about other things. They were upset about blasphemy. They were upset about breaking the law. And what they really didn't want is they didn't want to have a power struggle with this guy that everybody loved. And so the Romans don't care if he commits blasphemy against the Jewish God but they care if there's someone opposing Caesar, a different King. And so that's the charge they brought to Caesar. Hey, this guy is a threat to Rome. The Jews don't care about that, but they used it anyways because they hated Jesus. And so that's what Pilate's trying to get to the bottom of. And so Pilate asked Jesus, are you a King? And then in verse 36, Jesus responds. <clears throat> and he responds by saying, my kingdom is not of this world. So the answer to, are you a king is what my kingdom is? Yes. He is a king. That's right. He is a king, but he immediately says my kingdom. I'm a king, but it's not of this world. That word for world is cosmos. If that just wants to blow your mind a little bit, my kingdom is not of this realm. It's not of this place. It's not of this cosmos. It's not of this rule. It's not like you have it here. Jesus goes on. He goes, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. You're going to go down a rabbit hole with me. Please forgive me. It's a, it's not a verse by verse study. It is a verse study and it's topical. So we're going to have fun. So Jesus tells Pilate three times in verse 36. If you look at it three times, he says, my kingdom. Three times he's letting him know, I have a kingdom, I have a kingdom, and I have a kingdom. And he talks about his kingdom and he tells Pilate that his kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus is a king of a kingdom that's not of this world. And Jesus says, if his kingdom were of this world, there'd be something different about it. What would be different? His servants would have been fighting to keep him from being delivered to the Jews. Now, immediately your mind should go to Peter in the garden, right? Because what happened when they tried to arrest Jesus? Peter tried to what? fight. He wanted to fight. Now I do not believe that Jesus is saying that his servants dropped the ball. If my kingdom, then they would have fought, but I'm in this mess. That's not what Jesus is saying because he told Peter, put away your sword. Cause if I wanted to, I could call down legions of angels. One of whom could take out all these people. You don't need to worry about it, Peter. It's in hand, but I'm doing this, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. That's a different message. So Jesus isn't saying that his servants fail to pick up arms and fight. Jesus is saying that if he was an earthly king, like Caesar, 
even Governor Pontius Pilate, if someone tried to come get him, then his servants would rise up and fight. But Jesus' point is that his kingdom is not of this world. It's not like things here. It's not the way you do things. It's not the way the kings do things here. How so? We'll see in just a second. And here's Pilate's big takeaway from all that Jesus just said. Verse 37. So you're a king? <laughs> just trying to get the answer. Are you a king or aren't you king? And Jesus says, you say that I'm a king or some of your translations might say, it is as you say, or you said it, I'm a king. Yes, I'm a king. And here's the verse where Jesus tells us why he was born and what is different about his kingdom. The middle of verse 37. Look at it, folks. This is why Jesus was born. He says, for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the cosmos to bear witness to the truth. The reason Jesus was born was to testify of the truth. You have to follow me here. As I read this, it seems that Jesus is saying to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's a kingdom of truth. It's not like your kingdom. It is a kingdom of total, absolute truth. And I am the king of that kingdom. And I've come to testify of the truth to your world of darkness. That's what's going on there. And then he goes on. We know that I know that that's what Jesus is saying because he says, everyone who is of the truth. What does that mean? Of the truth the truth of the kingdom, of his kingdom, listens to my voice. My sheep hear my voice. That's what the citizens of the kingdom of God are tuned to, his truth. His truth. In other words, I am the king of truth. And my kingdom is an extension of who I am. And everyone who is of my kingdom, who is of the truth, listens to my voice. They listen to the truth. Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets into the kingdom except through me. Jesus was born, and the reason he came into our world was to bear witness of the truth. Now, how many of us had that written down? I know a couple over here, maybe. Now, if someone was talking, anybody have that written down? Well, now you know. How many of you said that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins? Amen. That's true as well. <laughs> right? You did not get a wrong answer. <laughs> to redeem, to give us a chance. Yes and amen. But that all correlates to the truth of who God is. That's important to know. The reason for all these actions that Jesus came and did, the purpose that Jesus had in mind when he came was to emanate truth in a kingdom of darkness. The world has seen a great light. 
spiritual light, a kingdom that is built and ruled in lies has now been inundated with the truth. This is where we get the imagery of light coming into darkness that John fixates on. He tries to get us to understand this concept. So he uses the idea of light and darkness and life and death and all these types of images. If you look at 1 John 1, 5 with me for a second, I'll just read it to you. This is, John says this. He says, this is the message we have heard from him. That's from Jesus and proclaimed to you. Well, what's that message? This is what John and the boys, this is their big takeaway from time with Jesus. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's the message. That he is absolutely, totally pure. He is truth. He is light. He is life. And in him is no darkness. None of the nonsense we have going on down here. This is the message we have heard from him. That's what he came to. That's the essence there. We'll come back to this later tonight, probably. Um, well, definitely. But this is what the disciples understood. The core thing communicated to them from Jesus, that the kingdom is a kingdom of truth because God is truth. Who he is, how he rules, what he says, what he does, why he does what he does, how he does what he does, the timing in which he does things, it's all according to truth. There's no darkness in it and there's no lie. These are bold claims, aren't they? What a strange kingdom. What a foreign kingdom. It's almost as if it's not from this world. Is not the absence of truth the thing that's plaguing our society? We have no bearing on truth whatsoever. We have become a society unmoored from a common truth. Whether true, biblical or not. Look at all the institutions we have in our society that are suffering with a lack of truth. Government. How many of you are looking forward to the elections? Religion. Where we have religious leaders in Christianity behind pulpits I'll start shooting at my own who are out for the money, who are commercializing Christianity, who are doing all these types of things that we're guilty of a lot more covering up pedophilia and deviant sexual behavior and all this kind of stuff. I could go on and on. But truth, like what is the truth? You don't live it and you don't proclaim it. So people are suffering. They don't have a, a guiding light. Medicine. It used to be we could just go to our doctor and that would be the truth of the matter. 
But now it's like, you know, I'm not getting into conspiracy theory, but there's a, there's, there is for the first time in my life, there's a, 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 a second thought about how things are developed and brought out and, and who's pushing what and behind and why, you know what I mean? And I'm not like conspiracy theory. That's not me. Science. You get into how things are written and peer reviewed and all these types of things. And there are political motivations behind things. And the honest scientists who are trying to come to the answer to things are shut out of the process because they're not part of a political class or an angle, whether I agree with it or disagree with it. It's just the truth is hidden. Education. Media and journalism. How about family and parenting? Just go from the institution of, of that God created of our homes, of the father in the home, our father's beacons of truth. Do we stand for righteousness or do we acquiesce to the culture around us? And I mean, these are the fights I have. Anyone else? Are all these things, would you say that they are just beacons of truth rooted in truth or are, is there rot going on? Is there trouble going on? All these truthful institutions, or is there something else rotten at the core? And I'm not disregarding all of these things. There are, there are wonderful things about them, but what I'm saying is in all of them, we're questioning where's the truth, right? It's hard to come to the truth because there's so much lies in the midst. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think government's great. I love having roads and order and a society and a military. Don't get me wrong. Amen. It's like, praise God. He invented government. It's government that lies is the issue. Not built on truth. Same with education and everything else. If you just dig into scripture a bit, it pulls back the screen of what's really going on. It lets us know what the real paradigm is, is, is going on behind the scenes. If you go to, you know, the rot in part, the reason why there's a rot and, and, and a, the lies going on our site, it's in partly due and a big, a lot of credit goes that we have a spiritual enemy, a fallen being called Satan. And he, according to Ephesians 2, is the prince of the power of the air that works in the sons of disobedience. He is influencing our society. He's an influencing fallen people. He is a very powerful sway. And again, this is why I say, how is it that we can do so much stupid and, and can't turn around? Because there's a powerful sway upon us. There's a spiritual sway that we've been given over to. Romans 1, I believe it's a judgment. But Ephesians 2.2 says that before we came to know Christ, we all once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So the, the, so the king of this kingdom down here is the father of lies, Jesus calls him. And if he's the father of lies and he's on the throne, and we know from other parts of scriptures that he has control and rule over nations and all that kind of stuff, and that is influencing our society. What do you think is going to permeate the society in our leaders, in our families and all these things? It is, we've got a lack of truth going on. 
And that's not on accident. That's purposeful. So the king of this kingdom is the father of lies. And so the truth is mocked and lies are lauded. And we see that, but there's another part of the equation. It's us. Humanity has fallen into sin in that we have rejected our creator to even say you believe in God today as the creator of the universe. It's, it gets mocked openly mocked. It's that is like medieval bloodletting. But when we deny the truth of who he is and we believe the lie instead, it's manifested in our disobedience, our disregard of the truth. And so we're given over to things that aren't natural. And that's what we're seeing in our society. Who cares about truth? It's what I want to make it to be because I am my own God. Now we won't say that, but that's what's going on. And it is manifested in our daily life and institutions. And we see this in every area of our society more and more. And the lie above all lies is that it's commonly believed now that God is the cause of all the pain and suffering going on. And we're the victim. And that's what you're told. Anybody who's religious, Oh, you're God. If he was good, then he would blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you don't understand because God is good. This is not his mess. And he does have a plan for cleaning it up. And you want that delayed. It's a two-part plan. (laughs) But the reason for the mess, the reason for the sin, the reason for the broken families, the reason for the chaos in our society, the reason for the murder and the child trafficking and everything else is going on is not God. It's sin. And it's Satan. We love darkness. And we tend to look at each other's darkness and go, your darkness is horrible. My darkness is okay. And we're all deceived. Right? Don't we? And I'll be the first to say, like Paul, man, I'm the chief of sinners. And if I'm frustrated with anything, it's the lack of righteousness in my own heart and my own life. I know what he says. I know who he is when I don't live up to it, but I want to. Why don't I let the Lord rule in my heart? You know, then I go out and get frustrated with other people. Anybody, you know, such a hypocrite. I'll just, you know. I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, where else do we go? We need help. (laughs) It's like, God, help us. I'm a hypocrite. Help, Lord. Amen? I'm not saying we perpetuate it, but Satan is ruling sinful mankind, and his rule is a kingdom of darkness, and he has power over mankind, and we can see it manifested everywhere now, and it is just like a liar to blame God for the evil that Satan and sinners are manifesting. We see it in politics, don't we? No one takes blame. It's always the other person. But Jesus came into this world to testify of the truth. This is the good news that light 
pierced our darkness. And right now, this morning, in your life, in the midst of the darkness that might surround you or govern you or is around you, Jesus Christ has come into the world to break the power of darkness in your life. That you are no longer held captive by sin, that you are no longer held under the power of Satan, that you would be a new creation with truth at the core of your being and no longer the lie. Jesus came to tell us the truth about the kingdom we have never seen and a kingdom of truth. And he testified to his death and those after him did the same And that word testify in the Greek is where we get our word for martyr. It's martyrarium. That was a real technical Greek term there. You're welcome. That's I'm educated. I even had it spelled out. That's how much I care. Martyreo. Martyr. It means to tell the truth to the point of death. That's what it became to be known. And that's what Jesus did. He came to testify to the truth till he died in his death. Jesus came to tell us the truth about the kingdom we've never seen. That although we were in darkness, God, in his great love and mercy for us, great love and mercy for you, for me, in the midst of my muck and my mess and my sinfulness, and all those things in the midst of all of that, folks. He gave his only son, Jesus, to die, to redeem us out of the kingdom of darkness and to bring us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. That's the gospel. That's the truth. And there's only one way this happens. This comes by faith, believing in the truth, rejecting the lie. This thing that the spirit will do because he is the spirit of truth, he will come into your heart. And many of you are struggling with this this morning. I know it because I've been there is he's going to come and convict you over your sin. If you're open and he's going to convict you of the evil and the wrong that's going on inside of you, who you are and what you've done. And then you're going to have a war in your mind going, no, I'm not. No, everybody else around me says I'm fine. That's just religion. And you're going to come up with all these fortified lies as a defense against the truth, but the light just keeps shining. And you know, in your heart of hearts, if God's speaking that he is true and you are wrong, that's what he did in my life. Continues to do in my life, by the way. And so you come to this freedom by believing in the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth and the truth will set you free. In first John three, five through eight, he says, you, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him, there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him nor know him nor known him. In other words, there's a total change that happens in our hearts. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. 
as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the son, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason why Jesus came is to destroy the works of the devil, to testify of the truth, to, to overcome the darkness. Jesus came to testify the truth, and he said, whoever is of the truth listens to my voice. And it's ironic, Pilate hears Jesus saying this. Don't worry, we're almost done. Pilate hears Jesus saying this, that the purpose that he was born for and the purpose why he came into the world was to testify of the truth. And here's Pilate's response. Verse 38, Pilate says, what is truth? Isn't that our answer? Isn't this the answer that the world has that I've had? in rejecting the truth? Well, that's your truth. What is truth? It's just this. As believers who believe that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, who believe what God has said, says is truth and that Jesus Christ is the son of God manifested in the flesh. The enemy attacks over and over and over at the validity of the truth. That's what he does. That's all he's got. The very first words out of Satan in Genesis Or did God say, and let me tell you that your argument, the world's argument against Jesus Christ is you can't trust the Bible. And most of the people who say you cannot trust the Bible have not read the Bible and have not studied the Bible and do not know the Bible. And yet it's just believed. You've never had a real deep, honest discussion about that. And I'd love to have that with you, not to beat you over the head with it, but Man, I studied this thing over and over and over, and I see the holes in it. I I have questions every time I open it up, and it keeps coming back with answers. Someone said it's an anvil that's worn out many a hammer or something like that. But this is what we can expect. What is truth? When we say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, that Jesus is the one, Jesus is the light you need in your heart, what is truth? And you can hear the sarcasm in Pilate's voice. It's almost as if Jesus was communicating something so foreign to Pilate, he couldn't get it. It was truly from another world. You see, it isn't Pilate. Isn't the fact that Pilate didn't believe in a truth. Isn't the fact that Pilate didn't understand the difference between lies in truth in a context. He was just saying there is no truth. That's what the world says. Pilate was mocking the fact that Jesus claimed to have the truth and was the king of truth and was testifying of it. So, the world has a built-in pessimism towards the truth. Don't we? It's like my cat. I was talking about my cat with someone. It's like way to drink water. We got this cat 10, 10 years ago. I don't know what it is. 11, something. He was rogue. He was out on the streets. He was a hardcore cat. 
So you just sit there and like on our trash can and look at us through the window and you go up to it. It's like, I'm out of here, but it likes food. So you give it some milk or food or whatever we did in the beginning and it stuck around. But you know, as far as going to pet it, nope, not going to happen. Not going to pet. Not, no, I don't trust you. Give me your food though. And here we are 10 years in and he's changed. It took a long time, long, long, long time, but he still has just this built in pessimism towards us. Me in particular. I think this is a me issue. <laughs> I'm in the kitchen and it's kind of like a galley kitchen and, and he'll come walking by and he'll, he'll freak out and run like right, right past us. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like I bought you all this stuff, like, this warm thing outside and food and all this kind of stuff. It's like, and he comes in when he's hungry, he'll bump up against you and Hey, how you doing? But he just runs past like, ah, them. And then I turn around and he's asleep in the path of the door that you walk through. Makes no sense whatsoever. He's got a built-in pessimism towards us. And I'm just saying the world has this reaction. When you say you've got the truth, they're like, nah, it takes a while. I think for people to come to the realization, to get past their biases, to get past their experiences. Sometimes the spirit of God has to work on us over and over and over and over until we wake up. How long suffering is God with us? How patient is he with us? Some of you right now are asleep spiritually and you're going to ignore this for a while, but God's going to come into your life and wake you up and he will be the center of your universe. There's a song I want to close with, not me singing, but reading. I love the song by Keith Green. It's called Until Your Love Broke Through. How many of you know that song? It's an old one. Yeah, I like, personally, I like uh, Phil Kagey's version of it. But let me read the, read the lyrics to you. Like a foolish dreamer trying to build a highway to the sky, all my hopes would come tumbling down, and I never knew just why until today when you pulled away the clouds that hung like curtains on my eyes. When I've been blind all these wasted years and I thought I was so wise, but then you took me by surprise, like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed until your love broke through. I've been lost in a fantasy that blinded me until your love broke through. All my life, I've been crazy. I've been searching for that crazy missing part. And with one touch, you just rolled away the stone that held my heart. And now I see that the answer was as easy as just asking you in. And I'm so sure I could never doubt your gentle touch again. It's like the power of the wind, like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed until your love broke through. I've been lost in a fantasy that blinded me until your love broke through. Jesus Christ came into the world because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he's wanting to break through into your life and roll away the curtains 
But what separates us? It's our pride. Don't harden your heart. Today's the day. Submit. Give it up. Just say, I'm done. I'm done with the darkness. Come into my life. Light me up. I've sinned. I am exactly who you say. Confess your sin to him. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I've got this going on, that going on. I've done all this. Confess it to him. Just say it. It is as you say it is about me. The light shining in the darkness. But then turn that confession into a profession. But I believe that Jesus Christ, the righteous, died for me, the guilty. And then he rose again on the third day. It victory over the death I deserve. It's as simple as that. Faith. And God makes good on his promises. He will absolutely save you. He will absolutely change you. He will translate you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. Like that moment that you believe. It will happen. It's a fact. Do you want to wake up and surrender? Give your heart to Jesus Christ. He came to testify the truth, not to rub your nose in it, but to bring you into it forever. And here's the thing. He's coming back. Just as he said he would come the first time, he's coming the second time. And he will establish the kingdom of righteousness where there is no sin. You want to make sure this is done before then. Before you're done. <laughs> Today is the day. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into our world and for your spirit striving with us now. And your spirit's work is to convict us of our sin, of the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the judgment to come. That we might be driven to the Savior and be forgiven, and been born again, be made brand new, become a son or a daughter of God in his kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness, the everlasting kingdom. And Lord, I pray for those who have not received you this morning. I ask that they would call out to you now, and you draw them to your throne of grace. It's all you, Lord. And I'm praying for those who have, that we'd be refreshed in the truth, and refocused on Jesus Christ as the hope of the world. We would not lose sight or be lulled to sleep by the dark one, but we would shine because those you save, you send back into the darkness to shine. We pray for your empowering and your grace today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.